good thing. I think it's okay to celebrate the resurrection this weekend and next weekend. Thank you for being here. You can be seated. Hey, I just want to, uh, one more time, it's our last weekend of services before Easter comes, and we have a good Friday service, uh, especially for realizing that there are a lot of people that may be out of town for spring break, and you want to take off, and so you can experience our Easter service on a Friday night, then three of them Sunday morning. I just want to encourage you to invite somebody. It's such an easy invite. Uh, people are looking for some place to go. For Easter, We're, we have all the ways that we've uh, made available to everyone uh, with uh, invite cards and yard signs and uh, share it with social media posts and all that. Here's a cool little thing our children's ministry has done. It's called How to Egg Your Neighbors. So yeah, so they're asking you to choose two families to invite to church, people that you know. So don't just go egg somebody's house that you don't know. It could get weird. Uh, pray over the invitations uh, and, and put this and hide eggs in their yard. And uh, just a creative way, one, to teach our kids uh, how to invite and, and how to have an invitation culture. And then uh, I think it's just a great way for us. So let's reach out. Matter of fact, this is past week. Suzette was telling me she... Uh, she met a lady, come to find out, who was also from New Orleans. Come on. And uh, I know, thank you for the love on that. Come on. And, uh, you know, when you meet, when you meet your fellow, uh, you know, when you find those things in common, Cajuns, people who eat crawfish and suck the heads and understand what that really means. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's good. And so this lady turns out, she's a Cajun. They get to talking and... Um, uh, they, she says, um, hey, do you have a card for your church? She says, telling her about what we do here and why we live here and what our church is all about. She said, no, but I do have this invite card. And uh, so she just was so happy to meet this lady and to meet another fellow Cajun with a bad accent or whatever. I don't know, but just somebody we could connect with. And so I just want to encourage you to be on the lookout this week for somebody that God could touch, because you never know what's happening in somebody's life. You want to tell you the story of a, of a young lady that's in our church right now. Jacqueline Lovett is an awesome young lady who is part of our worship team. And, and the truth is, Jacqueline, actually, uh, her family used to come to our church when she was just a small child. And over time, they kind of drifted away from church and then eventually drifted away from the Lord. And those things sometimes go together quite easily, unfortunately. And she found herself in kind of a, a relationship that wasn't healthy for her. She was hanging around with the wrong, wrong people and and finally found the courage uh, to kind of extricate herself from what was an abusive type of relationship, just felt so low, just felt so lost, just felt at the bottom of the barrel, and she decided, you know what, I should just go give God one more chance, even though I've drifted away, and I should go give the Rock Church another chance. So I love what she says here. She says, though it had been years the atmosphere at The Rock was just as welcoming as it had ever felt. At the lowest and most desperate part of my life, when I turned so far away from him, 
God heard my cry, pulled me up, placed me right where I need to be, right here at the Rock Church. God used the people here to show me a love that I had never felt before. My only regret is I didn't discover it sooner. She said, that's why I'm always inviting people now. I invite coworkers. I invite classmates. I even invited the man who's now my fiance. Come on, that. It's just a thought, just a thought. I started a Bible study on my school's campus, and I invite them too, and they come. Different people I've invited that have come on Sundays, come to mega worships. I'm inviting people to our Alpha Rock Group that meets on Wednesday nights for new people or new believers. And here's, what, here's what's exciting. I've seen at least two of them respond at the end of the service to surrender to know Jesus. Come on. Somebody say amen. And just a, just a, a, a reminder, she says, I couldn't encourage you more to remember what Jesus has done for you in your own life, where he's brought you from or what he's brought you through. Imagine what he could do in the life of the people you run into every day. And, and I love this thought. No one would have known what was actually happening in her life. Just like we don't know what's actually happening in our classmates or our coworkers, or our neighbors' lives. So trust God, extend the invitation, pray, see what God does. Come on, will you do it this week? Will you look for somebody? Invite them to church. It's going to be awesome. All right, today uh, I want to talk about the power of a touch. The power of a touch and uh, we're in the book of Hebrews and just taking kind of a verse-by-verse verse, uh, journey through, through Hebrews. And uh, we're at a passage that we kind of parked at for a little while. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says this, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let's press on to maturity. Talking about the foundations of our faith, foundations that help us move to new levels. He said, don't lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works or faith toward God or instruction about washings, which could be translated uh, doctrine about baptisms and laying on of hands. That's what I want to talk about today, laying on of hands. And the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, this we will do if God permits. One thing I love about this passage and a thought that uh, that captures me is the concept that not only are these the foundations that are part of our originating walk with God, but that I find that I need to apply every one of these foundations in a fresh way to the season I'm in. That uh, when it says to repent from dead works, sometimes it's easy to keep slipping into the idea that you could do enough to earn God's approval. That's a dead work. Sometimes it's easy to slip into this idea, I have to do more in order to make God's will happen. But the truth is, there is a big difference between dead works and good works. And you got to change your mind about it. So I find even now, today, I've still got to go there in my relationship with the Lord. And then the idea of faith toward God. How many of you know you need faith for what's going on right now? The faith of 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago, a month ago, is not going to be fresh and alive faith that you need to apply to where you're at right now. The one good thing, though, about looking back 
on what God has done is you can go, if I have seen God's faithfulness in the past, I know I'm going to have another story of his faithfulness today once I get past this one. And then we talked about the whole idea of the doctrine of baptisms, which is really about immersing yourself, immersing yourself in Jesus, immersing yourself in the church, immersing yourself in all of your world, and recognizing that all in wins. A half-hearted life will never be a great life. All in wins. So today, I want to talk about the concept of the laying on of hands. Now, if you would have come to me and said, all right, just on your own volition, how, what would you choose as foundational concepts? I don't know that I would immediately gravitate towards the idea of laying on of hands as sort of a foundational concept. But I think the more I've dug into this and the thoughts I would love to share with you today, I really see how vital and how important this this idea of laying on of hands really is. And I think the big idea that I would love to, to communicate to us today is this, your touch on something matters. Your touch on someone's life matters. And to recognize that the value of your life, the value of my life, is not just what I acquire, it's not the size of my bank account or what kind of car I drive or what kind of work that I have. The value is not just what I acquire. Really, the value of my life is what flows through me. That's what ultimately gives all of our lives value. God just doesn't want everything to stop at us. He wants to flow it through us. And so uh, there's been a lot of study on the power of touch And there was a guy named uh, David Linden. He's a neuroscientist, and he wrote a book called Touch, The Science of Hand, Heart, and Mind. And and quite a few studies looking at the idea of what touch does. And all through life, touch is so important. Newborns that are giving a nurturing touch grow faster, have more improved mental and motor skill development. So babies... They need touch. They need to be held. They need need the touch of a loving mom, a loving dad, a loving person. Then then he said children that are raised with more physical interaction tended to be less aggressive and violent. So that was something that was really formed who they were and how they reacted to life. Then he said partners who cuddle. Cuddling is a good thing. I'm always telling Suzette, can we just cuddle? (laughs) Come on, can we just, let's just cuddle. But no, she's got to keep going way past that. And (laughs) it's just, keep pushing. And I just want to cuddle. So. (laughs) You know. (laughs) partners who cuddle have been shown to have a lower stress levels blood pressure and improved immune function amen even all for cuddling say I elderly people who receive the soothing affirming experience of touch 
have been shown to better handle the process of aging and passing with dignity. All through life, people need the power of touch. They even did a study on um, sports teams and uh, a bunch of researchers from uh, Berkeley University uh, studied NBA teams for the first half of an entire year. And they actually counted in the first half of the game, how many celebratory touches were there? How many, how many high fives? How many fist bumps? Uh, how many pat on the rear? Come on, somebody. Uh, come on. You know, just how, how, many, how many celebratory touches were there actually taking place in an NBA game? And they came up with a number that they counted. And then they, then they asked the question, did that number predict anything about what could happen in the second half? And the answer was so interesting that the teams with more celebratory touch in the first half often came back and won in the second half and played in a less selfish fashion. And then, then newborns, uh, you know, we've already talked about that, but there, there was a, uh, an orphanage that was discovered in 1980s, 1990s in Romania that was so severely understaffed that no one could really handle the babies and hold the babies and cuddle the babies. And they found out that all these kids eventually developed emotional issues like attachment problems, depression, problems with cognitive skills, um, what's more, the kids develop problems even physically because they weren't being held. Their growth was stunted. Their immune system didn't develop properly. Even their digestive system didn't develop properly because they weren't being held. They weren't being touched. And then one last thing that's, uh, that was out of this book is the concept of uh, how cultural differences in terms of touch. A guy in the 1960s, a psychologist, actually uh, did a sort of a study where he would watch different couples, romantic couples or friends or co-workers like in cafes and what they would do. So in, in Puerto Rico, San Juan, Puerto Rico, he said that on the average, people would literally touch 200 times in an hour. That's a whole lot of touching going on. In Paris, about 40 times an hour. In New York City, about five times an hour, and in London, zero times. God, I don't want to offend anybody that's British, but come on. I, Suzette and I, as I say, were raised in New Orleans, and New Orleans culture, at least the way we grew up, was a lot of touching went on. In other words, if you were talking to somebody, you were putting your, your hand on their forearm. You were putting your hand on their shoulder. You, that's just the way you, you did it in New Orleans. And I remember when, I, when we first moved away from there, uh, I found that sometimes people in Western North Carolina are not as comfortable with that. I recently had a conversation with somebody, and we were just talking, and I just wasn't even thinking, and there's a guy, and I reached out to grab him, just to grab his arm to say something, and I could feel this thing. So there's a lot of touch that can do a lot of good, but I think also in our society today, there's, it's a big topic, the inappropriate level of touching uh, or inappropriate kinds of touches. 
And so it, it's certainly true that there are some touches that, that a whole range of touch that's inappropriate uh, that takes place. And, and I would even venture to say that literally uh, uh, probably a, a good percentage of sexual activity, um, whether it's in marriage or outside of marriage, is just really the desire to touch, just the desire to be touched. So as much as things can be good or, 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 or awkward or appropriate or inappropriate, I just want to make sure that we understand and we can't let the fear of the inappropriate take away the amazing power of the appropriate. Anybody with me on that? Everybody understand what I'm saying? How important it is to understand that. So matter of fact, uh, here's a little, just fun little video about uh, awkward touching. This is my place right here. This is it? Mm -hmm. All right, well, uh, thanks. Thank you for such a great lunch. So fun, just yeah, like a lot right. of chemistry, you know, it just felt natural. Yeah, sure. I guess I'll just uh, drop you up here. Maybe I'll just give it. Okay, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna give you a hug, but oh. let me turn this in, obviously, okay. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was like, uh, car's moving. Oh, you know what? I, I, let me put it in park first. That's probably a good okay. idea. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. See ya. Thank you. You know what? That doesn't, no, that's uncomfortable. That doesn't seem right. Maybe I'll just, you, you stay there. I'll just try to, I'll hug you over there. Or you come in with one hand, I'll come in with a backhand. Just like a, you, let me try it again without the headrest. Maybe if I move this okay. headrest that I get more. Oh, like that's a, my hair. Okay. Sorry. So sorry. I never know what to do. Should I park? Do I get out? Yeah. I don't know. Just, I, I'll see ya. Totally see ya. Oh, watch oh, out. Okay. Why don't I take my seatbelt off? Yeah. You want you to take your seatbelt off? Just put your arm over like this. And I was like, no, just on my shoulder, just like a, thanks. Oh, it was so fun. Why can't I just have like a normal date for once? <sighs> hey, Nina, this is so fun. Do you want me to hug you back? I mean, it would be nice. I feel like I have to, I've contributed all the ideas here. I come to your side, I have to pay for dinner. I paid for uh, dinner. I mean, maybe YouTube has like oh. a DIY. Yeah. Let's see it. Post date, car hug. Maybe I'll just like. Uh... Maybe it's just a bad angle. I'll move this. Seat okay. Forward. Yeah. Is it? Um, or back here. Where's the lever? Is it? Maybe it's over here. Okay. okay. So... All right. So I'm gonna go left I'll go arm. Right. Okay. Right. All right that makes sense. Okay. If you have such a great idea, you why don't you try it? Why okay. don't you hug me? Ready? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Let me talk to you for a few moments. Uh, I'm gonna teach a little bit today, I want to talk about six biblical effects of laying on of hands. Number one is laying on of hands imparts a blessing, imparts blessing. There's a great story in the Old Testament about a man named Israel who had a son named Joseph. Joseph had sons, and he was bringing two of his sons to their granddad. Uh, his sons were named Ephraim and Manasseh. And Genesis 48, verse 9 says, Joseph said to his father, to Israel, here's my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, Israel said, well, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Everybody say, bless them. And in verse 14 says, so Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was actually the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. So verse 17, Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, but it displeased him. So he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But the father refused. 
and said, I know, my son, I know, but he will also become a people. He will also be great. So in other words, both of them will be blessed. Both of them will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he. Come on, how many of you hate it when the younger brother does better? Maybe not. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day, saying, and then he went on to speak a blessing over their life. Let me just make an observation or two about this very important concept. Number one is that it is important to seek blessing from fathers, from grandfathers, from leaders, and I want to say that leaders, fathers, and mothers, um, grandfathers, anyone who has this capacity could understand that there is tremendous power in releasing the blessing of the Lord in the people's lives. And it's important to seek after that. Israel, his touch and his words imparted blessing to his grandsons. And, and I don't know what your family situation really is like, but can I just tell you that words from a father matter a lot? And, 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 and a touch of blessing matters a lot? And I, one thing I really observe about this story is that the, the thing that got Joseph so dis, uh, disappointed and disproving of the situation is that he felt like, the normally the firstborn should get the greater blessing, but the sovereign hand of God spoke into Israel and said, no, actually the younger shall be greater. And I think sometimes it's easy to look at other people whose blessing may appear to be greater than yours, but the idea to get a hold of is that there is plenty enough blessing for everyone to live a great life. Just because somebody else is blessed in a way that's greater than you doesn't mean that there isn't a great blessing for you. That's really good stuff right there. Don't compare your blessing with somebody else's. The second thing that I think biblical blessing of laying on of hands is that it shows approval. Shows approval. The Apostle Paul is writing to his protege in ministry, Timothy, and he's, and he's instructing him about ordaining people, which or ordination literally means point the finger in recognition. You're recognizing a ministry. You're recognizing God's touch on somebody's life. And he says, 1 Timothy 5, verse 22, don't lay hands upon anyone too hastily. Don't get in a hurry to do that and there, thereby share responsibility for the sins of others, but keep yourself also free from sin. And basically, the laying on of hands in an ordination is simply an approval or a recognition of God's touch that is on someone. Everybody needs approval. Everybody wants approval. And this idea of laying hands on someone, saying, don't get too quick with this, don't move too fast. How many of you could understand that laying hands on someone means they got to be close enough for you to touch them? 
It, 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 like, I love the fact that we have so many ways to, to kind of experience church. You know, you can watch online. Even these services that, that we have, people are, maybe they're homesick or maybe they're just whatever reason. Maybe they just couldn't get out of their pajamas. I don't know. But uh, whatever reason, you know, they're watching online. But how many of you know that way from a distance thing is never going to be enough for your soul, really. You got to experience the room. You got to be near enough that somebody can put their hand on your shoulder, that somebody can reach out to you. And I think laying on of hands means that, that you're, you're close. You're, you're close enough. One of the, the big concepts of our church is this idea of touch and lift. In other words, that, that we are close enough to a person. We are close enough to a situation to, to reach out a hand and touch it, but we're also not just keeping it all to ourselves, but we're reaching out beyond ourselves. Now, I know it's important to live for God's approval, but there is something beautiful and powerful about the appropriate approval of leaders. Thank you, Second Service, for just diving into this. There's something very powerful, fathers, about your approval. You may not approve of everything that your child does, but you can express approval of them. And touching, you know, you can walk by a situation that feels difficult or feels dirty or feels awkward or feels like you don't know what to do with it, and it's easy to kind of walk around it, but to, to reach out your hand, touching is a sign of approval. The third biblical blessing that comes from the laying on of hands is the impartation of spiritual gifts. I think this is a powerful concept. Acts 8, verse 17, they began laying their hands on these people who were responding to Jesus, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. In other words, they weren't just mentally acknowledging that Jesus is the Lord, there was an impartation of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Paul, again writing to Timothy, his old protege, and said, 1 Timothy 4.14, don't neglect the spiritual gift that's within you. That gift was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So there was something imparted, a spiritual gift imparted to Timothy when hands were laid on him. 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I think this is great to understand that, that impartation, spiritual impartation is greater than information. That there's something about the impartation of, of spiritual gift. I believe that one of the reasons you would want to be part of a, of a local church that is you would want to recognize the anointing that is on that church, and when you come under the cover of that anointing, it imparts something to you. It's not just head knowledge. There's something imparted to your spirit impartation 
is greater than information. That's why I encourage you, when, when you come to church, whether it's here or, or whether you end up going somewhere else, you, you can't just go to listen to the words. You can't just go to watch the, the musicians or watch the screens. You can't just go to, to hear information. There's a different level of experience when you open yourself up to impartation, spiritual impartation. Something that's caught is always better than something that's just taught. The fourth idea that, uh, biblical, that laying on of hands brings, a biblical blessing of that, is releasing and blessing the next generation. I, I don't think you could read the Gospels and not see that Jesus often laid hands on children to bless them. A couple of instances of that, Mark 10, 14, uh, when Jesus saw uh, this, that they were trying to push the kids away, he, he was indignant, said to them, permit the children to come to me, don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So he took the children in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. He was releasing his blessing to the children. Matthew 19, 13, some children were brought to Jesus so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. <laughs> they just weren't getting the idea. The idea that the next generation is important to God. They're not just in the way. They're not just a trouble to take care of. It's not... See, I think sometimes... What happens in church world is there's not enough importance put on the next generation and because the next generation can't pay for anything. The next generation makes lots of mistakes. The next generation doesn't bring a lot to the table except maybe a little bit of energy. And so there are many churches that are working so hard to appease an older constituency because that's who might give and that's who might serve and they're working so hard to please them that they don't understand the power of the next generation but anytime we forsake the next generation one we're forsaking something that's important to Jesus and then two we're forsaking our actual future because eventually you die out if you don't place value on the next generation the next generation matters to God the next generation should matter to us and our touch on the next generation matters because I can promise you there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of middle schoolers, there's a lot of high schoolers that walk into this place that get very little approval. They get very little a touch of blessing. They get very limited touches on their life and often it, it could be so that they are actually getting inappropriate touches on their life and for them to actually know and experience and feel the power of a touch that is releasing the blessing of God and the approval of God and the, the this impartation of God is a beautiful thing. That's why we got to do that. We, we got we to gotta take care of our kids. We got to take care of our high schoolers. I'm preaching this better than I'm getting a clap or something, but we got to do this. 
It matters. They, they, need, they need our touch on their life. The fifth idea that I want to talk about is that the laying on of hands releases and sends ministry forward. Releases and sends ministry forward. So here is Moses, who's the leader of the nation of Israel and appointed by God, but his season is coming to an end, and he knows it. And he realizes that things are about to shift. They've been wandering in the wilderness for all these years. Now they're about to shift into a new season. They're about to shift into taking cities and taking the promised land. And so, so the Lord says to Moses, Numbers 27, 18, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. It was releasing something. Then verse 23 says, he laid his hands on him and he commissioned him just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. So the, the release of spiritual authority that was in Moses' life, he's releasing it into Joshua. He's putting his hand on him and saying, I'm releasing what God's given me. Now I want you to go and I want you to take what God's given me and go to a whole new level. Take it to a whole new place. Then Acts 13 gives us kind of a New Testament uh, idea of the same idea. Uh, verse 1, there was at Antioch, and the church that was in Antioch, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod, who played Tetris, and Saul... While, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for this work to which I've called them. So they were a big part of the church, and the Holy Spirit says, I want Barnabas and Saul to, to go out with what I've put in. Then when they'd fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent, everybody say sent, they sent them away. And I think this is such a huge thing to understand that to go is different than being sent. When you're being sent, you're part of something that's bigger than your own agenda. You're part of, you're, you're actually being sent from a place. There's a backing behind you. There's an approval uh, of you. There's a, there's a um, recognition of what's going on, and you're not just going on your own. So every time we send out a, a team from our church to do anything, they're not just going in their own name. One, they're going in the name of Jesus, but then second, they're going in the name of the Rock Church. And the Rock Church backs them with prayer. And the Rock Church backs them with finances. And, and they're an extension of our church. And so I'm either, I'm either going or I'm a part of sending. I think that's an important thing to have within. They're not going away. They're being sent out. It's a whole thing. It's a better thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a healthy thing. A lot of people just want to uproot and go because things aren't going at the pace they'd like for it to go. But you got to learn how to be sent and not just go. And then the last concept that I want to talk about today is that laying on of hands imparts healing. Everybody say healing. So many times you'll find this in the New Testament, but just you know, one or two verses, Matthew 9, 18, 
uh, while they were saying these things to him, a synagogue official came, bowed down before Jesus. He said, my daughter has just died, but if you'll come and lay your hand on her, she'll live. He recognized the power of healing that could flow through Jesus laying his hand. And the Bible says this, that you and I have been given authority to do this very thing. Matthew 16, 18 says we'll pick up serpents, drink any deadly poison. It won't hurt us. It will lay, we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I just want to say that God is a healing God. He, he is willing he wants to heal people. We don't heal anyone. God heals people because he's a healing God, but he heals people through our touch. And I think maybe this is overrides everything, but to understand this, two important factors that are involved in this is, one, God heals. Let me just add to that, maybe God approves. God loves, God wants to bless, God wants to impart. But the second part of that is it happens through our touch. It's not just out there somewhere. When I was 18 years old, I got invited to a church service that was being conducted by a, a guy who was kind of a leftover from the 1950s healing evangelist. And um, it was just intriguing to me, and my friends and I went to this meeting, and he would pray for people to be healed at the end of the service. And I, I mean, I have this Catholic upbringing. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And, and I'm, I'm in this meeting, and so he's encouraging people to, to come up front at the end of the meeting and get prayed for. And I had grown up ever since about second grade with this ulcer in my stomach that would require me for months on end. Sometimes all I could eat was crackers and oatmeal because I couldn't just eat any of the, the great food that's in New Orleans, unfortunately. And I, this was just a thing for me. I was something I'd learned to live with. I probably drank, I don't know how many gallons of Maalox in my, in my childhood. And he said, he said, let's let, let me pray for you. So I go up front. He lays his hand on me. And I am not kidding you. My stomach had been on fire for, you know, many years. And it's like this cool thing just flowed through me. So I've got an anointing of cool. But, but, I, but, this, but honestly, I felt this. You know, sometimes people feel warmth. But I felt literally cool. And I, since that day... I've literally had no problems with my stomach at all. Cha-ching! And, and I know, you know, somebody would say, well, you don't know if I believe that God heals people. <laughs> You're too late. Sorry. People can argue with your opinion, but they can't argue with your experience. People can argue with your theology, but if you've been healed... Hello. And I've, amen. And, and I just, I want to say, if you want to be used by God to touch people, you don't need to know everything. Your story is so powerful. 
what God has done in your life. And if you've found forgiveness or if you've found love, if you've found approval, if you've found blessing, we all recognize this. God is the source of all of that, but he releases blessing and healing and love and grace and approval through our touch. I want us to do something here for just a moment. I don't, I don't want to be awkward with you guys and have you have an awkward moment, but I want you all to stand together. And if you would, if you're comfortable with it, would you just put your hand on somebody's shoulder for a minute? And you might even feel qualified to release blessing. But can I tell you, it's not about you. And I, I just want to, we're going to take a moment. Just hang with this, with this, just for a moment. Maybe if you feel awkward with this, that's the sign that you need to do it. <laughs> you know, that you got to break through into this place of the blessing touch. So our team's going to lead us in worship and just hang with it for a couple of minutes and we're going to pray together.